Praise the Lord. I'm going to read the scripture. But I, I'm, I'm, I want to say this briefly. Uh, I want to encourage all of us, as I encourage myself every single day, something from John 8. The Lord said, if you continue in my word, you'll know the truth, and it'll make you free. Continue in the word every day. Praise the Lord. I tell myself that every day. Continue in the word no matter what. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise become wise, but the companion of the fool will suffer harm. Proverbs 22, 11. He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. Proverbs 16, 28. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separate close friends. Proverbs 22, 24, and 5. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Proverbs 27, 9, and 10. All in perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpen iron, and one man sharpens another. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Proverbs 15, 22. Without counsels, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Proverbs 25, 17. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his field of you and hate you. Proverbs 17, 9, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separate close friends. And the last one, Proverbs 18, 24, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Praise the Lord. Thank you, brother. You can be seated. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being our friend by sending your son Jesus and allowing us to have a friendship with you. God, I thank you for the blessing of uh, above and beyond what, you, what we, we have to have. We have to have a friendship with you, but, but you have given us above and beyond that friendship in others. Lord, we thank you for your word uh, speaking to the most practical and foundational parts of our lives, like our relationships with others. And so, God, we pray that uh, even as we open it now, you would shape us and mold us uh, and make us like your son. And may we love our neighbors as ourselves. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in life, we have a lot of different kinds of relationships. Uh, your very first relationship from the very moment you were conceived was a relationship with your mom, Right. And then uh, shortly thereafter, maybe after, after birth, maybe your next relationship was with your dad. Uh, if you were born into a family with uh, grandparents or siblings, maybe you had some of those initially. 
uh, maybe, long, maybe it was a little down the road that you started to develop uh, some relationships with siblings and kind of that family unit was uh, your first friendships. L- later on in life, um, for anybody that's married, your, your marriage becomes a, a primary relationship in your life. If you have kids, that seems to take a pretty significant form of a pretty significant percentage of, of the way your, your, your relational capacity goes toward uh, your kids. If you have a job, you have relationships with coworkers, and maybe you've got some, some peers in, in your workforce, or maybe a boss you, res, you report to, or employees uh, who, who uh, report to you, and so you can go through a, a long career with the same people or changing jobs. We have all kinds of different relationships in our lives, but there is one type of relationship, one kind of relationship that I, I didn't, I don't know the, you know, I didn't research this, but just my observation, my own kids, there's one type of relationship that I think starts at about 18 months old. That's my gauge of when this relationship can start. And this kind of relationship can continue literally until your last breath. So this form of relationship is the, the, the type of relationship that's the longest in your life. Because you think about it, your, your parents are a generation above you, so you, you can't be in relationship with them for, for as long uh, as other types of relationship. You're, you're not married or working for the beginning of, of your life, so you can't have those kinds of relationships at the beginning. But the one type of relationship that can be for the entirety of your life, except for the first probably 18 months, is the relationship of a friend. You can have a friend, I think, from about 18 months to the day you die. And yet so often, friendship kind of gets put down the, the ladder when it comes to the priorities. And there, there's a, a space for that. You should prioritize your family. And you should prioritize your spouse and, and your kids. And, and yet, how important are healthy friendships in our lives? We, we all know the value and the goodness and the, the blessing of good friendships. And I wonder if we neglect it too much. I, I imagine for many of us, we, we know that, that friendships can be challenging. Maybe you, you can look back in your own life and you see some, some times of some rocky friendships, rocky relationships, friendships that weren't healthy for one reason or, uh, or another. I, I got the sense a few years ago, kind of like pre, uh, like as social media was kind of taken off, as, as smartphones were kind of taken off, and, and, and when, when it was kind of a, a new and novel thing that you could, you could FaceTime or, or video chat with somebody, there was kind of this optimism in culture that we are reaching kind of this, this higher level of, uh, of living where now that we have the ability to connect with people or, or to look up a friend from, from high school online with just a few clicks and send them a message, there was this optimism that, that we as humanity were going to really reach this new potential in our ability to have deep and meaningful relationships thanks to technology. And uh, one of the things that 2020 taught many of us, at least taught me, is that, man, I am so grateful for the ways that Technology can connect me to people, but it's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same as just spending face-to-face time with people. There are blessings we, we get, opportunities with technology, but I think in many ways our, our generation, our time, is more challenged when it comes to building meaningful relationships than any generation before. May, I don't, I'm, that's not a scientific statement. I don't know that. I'm not a history person, but I'm just observing that in our world it is hard to have meaningful relationships. I, I found one of the pastors I keep up with, Kevin DeYoung, uh, pastors of church in Charlotte, and uh, he wrote uh, about friendship a fair amount, and he, he named some of the challenges our culture faces. I, I looked elsewhere and found the average person on Facebook has about 300 friends. 
300 friends. That's, that's, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. And yet, we all know that the definition of a friend, like what makes somebody truly a friend, whatever the definition, has to be something more than just like, I pushed invite and you pushed accept. Like that's what friendship equals on Facebook, right? And so surely there's a definition that requires a little more of friends than that. So, so that number, 300 or so, whatever your number is, whatever, uh, is probably not the true value of a friendship. What, what, is, what is our generation, when we come to friendship, what does it look like? Well, Kevin Young points out that many ways social media and technology can give us kind of a false sense of, of the number of, of true friends we have. Because we can post something online and find quick, quick and fast connections, it, it can discourage us from seeking deeper relationships and deeper uh, connections with people because we can make so many fast connections with other people. Uh, another thing he points out is that just the rhythm of our society, usually in any household, at least one person is working 40, if not 60 or more hours a week. And so if you put all that time into work and then you come home and you've got a few hours with the kids and then you know, they finally get the kids in bed and whatever energy you have left goes to your spouse, then, then there's just not a whole lot of time in our lives for friendships. Uh, another uh, challenge we face is that our, our generations, the, the current world, we are more mobile than ever before. It's never been easier to pick up and move away to college, to go to school somewhere, or to pick up and move for a job across the country. Or, or even, I, I talked to a family this summer who used to live in Illinois, and when COVID hit, they just were tired of living in cold. They moved to South Carolina because they can work remotely from their jobs, and it didn't matter where they worked from. And that's happening all over the place. And those are blessings to that, but every time you do that, you pick up and you move somewhere, you leave some relationships behind. Our world challenges friendships, deep, meaningful friendships in quite a few ways. But maybe that's not a new problem. I think really the fundamental problem to having friendships, having deep relationships, is that uh, friendships require two people to be deeply invested in one another. And those two people are both flawed, <laughs> sinful people. And so this issue is not a 21st century issue. It's, it's as old as sin itself, I think, that we have a hard time building deep, meaningful relationships. Proverbs 26, uh, 20, verse 6, captures that a little bit. Solomon was a thousand years before Christ when he wrote, Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find? Somebody who's faithful, somebody who's true, somebody as loyal as a friend, that's, that's hard to find. But when you do, it is an incredible gift from the Lord, isn't it? Maybe you can think back to memories you had as a kid or, or just at different times in your life. And, and I wonder, as you think back to the fondest memories, are there some other people that are involved in those memories? I think back to family vacations. And yes, they were my family, but they were also my friends. And we enjoyed time together. I think back to great times of uh, athletic teams I was on. You know, and, and yes, the, the sport itself was fun to me, and, and any time we won, that was fun. But what was most fun was that I was on the team with, with my friends, my, my soccer buddies or my baseball friends, and we were, we were doing this together. The friendships is what makes that so valuable. Proverbs compares a friendship to a sweet fragrance. Proverbs 27, verse 9 says, Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. J.C. Ryle said this, I love this, he said, This world is full of sorrow because it's full of sin. It's a dark place, it's a lonely place, it's a disappointing place. The brightest sunbeam in it is a friend. 
Friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joys. I like that. Friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joys. We were created for relationship. God Himself is a triune being in relationship within Himself. God the Father has eternally God, God loved God the Son since before the foundation of the world in and through God the Holy Spirit. God is love because He is in relationship with Himself. So when He created us out of the overflow of that love, He created us in His image. And one of the things that means is we were created for relationships. We were created to be in relationship with other people. The very first thing that God said was not good in His creation was that it was not good for man to be alone. When He put Eve in the garden with Adam, it was not primarily about some kind of physical uh, intimacy or, or, or connection. It was about this person was bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. This was a companion, a friend. And that's what we were created for. From the very beginning, we were created for relationships. We're created for relationships, and we know the joy of it, and we know the challenges of it. And, and I just have to think that uh, among everybody here, the, the majority of us, again, this is not a scientific observation, just my hunch, the majority of us long for deeper and more meaningful friendships. I imagine that, that if we had to kind of rate ourselves a satisfaction scale, very few of us would say, I'm 100% satisfied, I have the exact number of friends I want, and we're all getting along just perfect, and everything's great, right? Friendships are hard, and they require work, and so I just, I wonder if you'll open your heart to Proverbs to say, what, what does it mean to have deep, meaningful, good friendships? Proverbs has, has lots to teach you. Henry read you know, a dozen or so verses. I've got a list of three or four times that long. But, but I think if we could boil down Proverbs to just one verse. I, I, I picked a favorite verse. You can pick your own. But I picked a favorite verse of like, what, what does Proverbs have to say? What does it have to say about friendship? Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is made for adversity. So if I had to give you one thing to take home today, what does Proverbs tell us about who a friend is? What's the definition of a friend beyond just pushing uh, invite and pushing accept? You know, there's a deeper meaning, deeper definition. Here's what I'd give it to you. A friend loves at all times. That's not mind-blowing or, or earth-shattering or brand new for you. In fact, it's thousands of years old, right? I'm quoting it directly from Solomon. And he says, a friend loves at all times. The key to a friendship is love. It's about Seeking the other's well-being above your own. It's about being selfless, not selfish. It's about genuinely wanting what is best for the other person. About seeking their good and their joy, even if, and especially if, it costs you something. That's love. It's self-sacrificing. It's not just having a relationship with somebody so you can get something from them. Right? That is a, a consumeristic mindset. That I want something from you. I'm soliciting something from you. A friendship isn't that. It's giving. It's relational. It's loving. It's self-sacrificing. And 7 Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend is at all times. So that's good times, bad times, day, night, rain, shine, unconditional love. That's the sign, the mark of a true friendship. That's the one key truth you can take with you today from Proverbs about friendship that a friendship loves at all times. So this morning as we're thinking about a friend, start with yourself. Uh, good friends, people who are good friends, they make the best friends. So if you start with yourself, that'll lead to better friendships. And we'll trust God to, to be working in other people's lives to reciprocate us. So we take that one truth that a friend loves at all times. 
Proverbs then unpacks that kind of throughout the whole book with different ways that that love shows up. So if you're looking at your outline on your paper there, you see I've got five uh, lines there, number one, one to five. So in some ways, these are, these are five characteristics uh, of a good friend, but there are also five ways that, that love shows up in a friendship. Because depending on the circumstances or the age and different things going on, love takes a lot of different forms. Love is going to do a lot of different things over the course of the long haul of a friendship. So these are five different ways that we love, we show love in a friendship. And the first is this, that somebody who is, who is a loving friend is somebody who's godly. Somebody who's godly. We've seen this through, through Proverbs. Proverbs is about wisdom, and wisdom is more than just knowing the right information, isn't it? We've said that wisdom is about our character. We can't be a wise person if we are walking in a lifestyle far from the Lord. And we all know that decisions we make, we'll believe the lie sometimes that decisions we make only affect me. No, no, no. We all know the decisions we make, the lifestyle we live, it affects those around us. So you cannot be a good friend, a loving friend, if you are walking in a lifestyle of wickedness. Hear this out of Proverbs uh, 13, 20, or 12, 26. One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads him astray. You hear that? If you're walking in wickedness, you are leading your friends astray. You cannot be a good guide if you are walking in unholy living. Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. If you are, not, if you are walking with, with God, if you are righteous, you can help others become wise. But if you are walking away from the Lord, you will lead others astray. So choose your friends wise, wisely and be wise so that when friends choose you, it's loving to them. You have, your character matters. Over and over again, Proverbs tells us our character matters, and especially in our friendship. Who are you running with? Who are your friends? We, we can all look back across our lives and see different times. We had some good friends and not so good friends, and the effects that had on our lives. I was with a, a fishing guide on Wednesday. And he was telling me a story that I probably have heard a hundred times, if not more. Well, they've got a close family friend who had uh, her kids taken away because she got involved in drugs. And so the family all helped, and she rallied, and she did all the right things. She had all the right steps. She got clean. She got her kids back. But she didn't get rid of the friends, and the friends brought her back down. And it's not just the, the, the addictions. It's not just we, we all know what bad friends will do to us, that we can try our hardest to be on track. But if our friends continue to bring us down, we'll have the, we, w- we won't be able to get back up. Over and over, Proverbs, I could preach a whole series of sermons on things that Proverbs say make bad friends. So I'll just give you the list. I won't read you all these, but Proverbs 6, 9 talks about lying. Proverbs eleven thirteen talks about slander. Proverbs 16, 29, violence. Proverbs 20, verse 6, about pride. I got to read you at least two of these. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25 talks about anger. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. An angry friend does not make a good friend. Don't be angry and don't make friends with people who are constantly living in anger. Dishonesty, Proverbs 16, 28. A dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. We all have seen that. Talking behind somebody's back ruins a friendship. Ruins of friendship. Being ungodly is not loving. It's not loving our friends. To be a friend who loves at all times starts with our character, with who we are. 
If we're not following God, we can't, we can't love our neighbors. That's the kind, that's, the, that's kind of the, the beginning uh, of a friendship. You got that's the prereq, because you gotta be seeking the Lord. You gotta be a decent person to be able to love your friends. So then what does that action look like to actually love them? It starts with the second thing for you, it's being consistent. Being consistent. Proverbs 26, we said, we read this already, a man, uh, many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man, somebody who's faithful, loyal, faithful man, who can find? 1717. A friend loves at all times, all times. And a brother is born for adversity. Probably my second favorite friendship proverb is 2710. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. A day of calamity is the day when things go south, when things are bad, when they are hard. When, the, when you get the bad call from the doctor, when, you get the, when the job is lost, when the loved one passes away, when money is tight, when the marriage is on the ropes, when the kids are, are making decisions that are, are not good for them, right? When the, that's the day of calamity. That's the hardship. Where does your friend go on that day? He warns against the friend fleeing and going away to the family's house. I, I, got, I got a family something to do. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't help you. Don't be that friend, he says. Be the friend who is near. Better is a neighbor who is near. Are you near to your friends on their day of calamity? Are you close to them when they need you most? That, that's a, we, are, we are born for this. I, I love, he says, uh, 1717, a brother is born for adversity. Hardship comes. Bad times come. He said, brother, I was born for this day. Today, not the day when things are going great. Anybody can be your friend when days, days, things are going well. But the day that everything goes wrong. He said, brother, I was, I was born for this day. This is why I was created, to be here for you on that day. That's a friend. That is a friend. A friend is one who loves at all times. Loyalty. One who is there for you no matter what. And I love that he says, not even your friend, don't forsake your friend or your father's friend. This is a, a cross-generational. Caitlin pointed that out. She didn't know I was preaching on She talked about this morning. They're cross-generational friends. People who are friends and their kids are friends and they're loyal to each other. All in there together. Someone you can count on, somebody you can trust. A consistent friend is a trustworthy friend. It's the kind of friend I want, so it's the kind of friend I want to be to others. And that's hard because when somebody's down, you know what they, they when, when they're having a hard time, you know what they can't do well is love you back, right? When they're struggling, they, they can't love you well. Like just take, you know, uh, somebody who's got a stomach bug or they've got the flu, you know, if you're the one in the family taking care of them, the most that person can do for you is to whisper out a, a, a thank you, right? But they can't get up and serve you. They can't help you. you are, you're pouring out, and you're getting nothing in return. And when you take that beyond just a you know, 24-hour bug, when you, when you go to real hard times and you continue to pour into a friend, that is hard. That's not the easy part of a friendship. But that's what friends do. They're there in the good and in the bad. The opposite of a consistent friend would be a fair-weather friend, a friend who's there for just the good times or when, when things are good. Proverbs, I uh, found at least three references to where uh, if you got money, then you got friends. But it may not be the kind of friends you want to have. Proverbs 9, 19, 4, Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his neighbors. Proverbs 19, 6, uh, Many seek the favor of a generous man and everyone who is a friend to a man who gives gifts. You, you know what that looks like. If you got you got money, well then people, sure, they want to be your friends. But somebody who's genuinely your friend is going to be there all the time. 
I'm not going to even try to use the phrase correctly, but ride or die. Like, you get the idea. Proverbs. Somebody's going to stick with you when they, when they know things are hard. We always wonder what God is up to when, when things are down. When, when things are hard, when they're challenging, when, 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 when bad things happen, it's very natural. People say, God, why do you do this? You know, why, why do bad things happen to good people? And, and we know from Scripture, usually what he's doing, he's making you into the image of his son. But one of the things he may do, and we, we never get the full picture of this side of heaven. We, we shouldn't. We don't, we don't need that. We can't comprehend it. But one of the things, what, what if one of the things God does in your hardships is he forges deep, meaningful relationships? You all know if you've, if you've been through hardships with somebody, if somebody has been with you through the mud and out again, you come out stronger than ever. If things are always easy in a relationship, then it's never tested. But, it, but if, if, if you have the health crisis or your friend does or, or money gets tied or something else and you walk through that together, you lean into that together, man, you come out stronger than ever. And, and the value of a good friend means that, that hardship's going to be worth it because you come out with something so valuable, a friendship. A third way that we're called to show love as friends is to be accountable, to be accountable. We love our friends when we hold one another accountable. Maybe the, well, the most well-known proverb when it comes to proverbs, when it comes to friendship, is 27:17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. That's the image of metal on metal, right? That, that used in the right way, the right angles, whatever, two equally tough, hard materials can actually sharpen one another, right? There is a place in friendships for pillows and sponges and shoulders to cry on and a padding to help you land so you don't hurt yourself when you fall. But there's also a place in friendship for iron, for iron that's willing to do the hard thing, to say the hard thing, to be a one that's challenging you. Someone, we need friends who are willing to be like iron. If they're always pillows, then they're not going to be great friends in the long haul. You've got to have somebody who's willing to be uh, a sharp edge. 27, 5, and 6, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. A friend loves you enough to wound you in the right way at the right time when it's needed. Faithful are the wounds of of a friend. Maybe just a simple, silly example would be uh, a friend is the one who's going to tell you you got food in your teeth. They're going to pull you aside and say, look, you got to get that out. An enemy is happy for you to just continue to go about and bear, hey, you look great today. And they'll just let you keep embarrassing yourself as you go. You'd rather have the friend who gives you that little embarrassing moment. Like it's, it's embarrassing. You know, oh, sorry, I got to get that out, you know. But, but they save you from the greater embarrassment, the wound of a friend. Well, take that and take it to not just something you know, simple and superficial, but to not, not just when your lunch is showing, but when, you're, when your sin is showing. A friend's going to say, hey, listen, listen, let's, let's get together. We've we got to talk about this. Let me, let me tell you about how you came across to somebody. Let me tell you about the, the way that you're, the way when you speak that way or when you, when you go out and, and live that kind of lifestyle, whatever. I, I, wanna, I love you enough to tell you that this, this isn't good. That is a, that's going to hurt. It doesn't feel, nobody enjoys it when somebody says you're wrong and calls you out on sin. Nobody enjoys that. But if it's a friend who truly loves you and has put the investment in you and you can hear that, man, that's, we need that. We need that. We, we all know it's a lot easier to see other people's sins than our own, right? It, I can see your sins way better than I can see mine. 
And so if we know that, well, then that means they can see my sins better than I can see mine. And so if we genuinely want what's best for ourselves and for others, then we've got we to be willing to hear each other out and be willing to have people who are in our lives who can call out our sin. Let me tell you this, though. If you've never invited a friend to do that, they're probably not going to tell you. Well, some might, you know. But generally, you've got you to open that door for people and say, hey, if I'm in the wrong, I want you to tell me. I want you to tell me. Have you made that kind of opening to other people? What goes along with that, I think, is this idea of, uh, uh, with accountability, is this idea of wise counsel. Um, it, Proverbs 27, 9, where I read, Oil and perfume makes the heart glad, and sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Right? Somebody who's willing to speak truth into your life. Uh, and with that friendship comes, there's a, so much sweetness. Proverbs 15, 22, Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Uh, Kevin DeYoung, he said, The best friends are those who combine their IQs and get smarter as a result. I like that. People who are willing to work together and they get smarter as a result. 24-6, for by wise guidance you can wage your war. In the abundance of counselors there is victory. In your, in your life, are you trying to be the, the general who's a solo lone wolf? I'm going to take charge. I got it all figured out. Are you willing to let people speak truth in your life, hold you accountable, call out your sin, give you wise counsel? so that you can, they can shape you and you can walk through life together. Iron sharpening iron. Proverbs does balance that out, this iron image with a, with a call to be sensitive. So I'll give you that as the fourth one, the sense being sensitive. If you're going to be a loving friend, you've got to be sensitive to where they're at. People are people, and so you can't just throw our daggers around and, you know, poking people wherever we want with our words. We've got to be sensitive to where they're at and where, what they're going through in life. Proverbs 26, 18 and 19 describes a man who doesn't know when the joke has gone too far. The words have gone too far, and they don't know it. Uh, it says, Like a madman who throws a firebrand, arrows, and death, is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking. Or Proverbs 25, 17 warns us to be sensitive, to not overstay our welcome. We've got to be sensitive to, people's, to where people are at. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you, and he hates you. Uh, and so we got to be sensitive to where people are at with, uh, if, they're, if they're hurting. 25.20 warns us to be careful about not trying to just cheer people up. You've got to be aware of their emotions. Uh, whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. Such good images in Proverbs. You've got to be careful. You've got to know where somebody's at. You've got to understand their emotions. You've got to understand where they're, where they're coming from. Just a simple word of, uh, of joking or trying to cheer somebody up that may not really get what they need in a friend. You've got to know what they're going through. It's impossible to be a, a true friend without tact or, or sensitivity. The fifth and final characteristic of a friend I have for you is, is to, if we're truly going to love our friends well, is to be vulnerable. To be vulnerable. Proverbs 17, 9, Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Listen, if something is private to you, if it is, if it is something that's really hard for you, something that, that's hard for you to, to, to be honest about, and you tell that to somebody else, you know what you've done? You've, you've given them power over you. Because if they go and repeat that, it could really hurt you, couldn't it? You, you've given somebody, if you give some, some deep truths about you, deep secrets, whether it's just personal or whatever, else, if you give that to somebody else, you have given up some power. You have given them some power in your life. And they go repeat it. They can separate close friends. At the same time, though, if you never share that, 
you'll never be close friends, will you? We got to be wise with who we share it with. But if we never open up to people, if we never tell people about what's really going on in our lives, we will never be close friends. That word close friends is used three times uh, in Proverbs. We talked about it with marriage a few weeks back. Uh, it's that same word being close friends. Uh, 27.6, we already read, faithful are the wounds of a friend. If, you don't, if nobody ever gets close enough to you to wound you, to be able to sharpen you with iron, then, then you'll just keep people at a distance. You'll never be vulnerable to, you, to, the, to them, so you'll never be able to uh, have true, meaningful uh, relationship. If you are a Christian and, um, and you're trying to walk through life with other Christians, one of the things I've just experienced, my observation, is that we, we are really, we're okay with being sinners in the past. So we'll tell other Christians about sins that I, I used to have a few years ago or way God's, God changed me back when I became a Christian or, or whatever's going on. We have a much harder time with saying, today, this is where I have sinned. This week, this is what I'm currently struggling with. That is much harder because it, it makes us look not, not perfect. We're okay with being made perfect. We don't want to look imperfect now. We don't claim to be perfect, but, you know, like we want to have it together. We want to be put on a show of looking like we, we're, we're okay. And, and it's okay to not be okay. And if we're going to have true, true meaningful friendships, we've got we to gotta let down some walls. We've got to be willing to let some people into our lives. And that's a dangerous place to be because they could hurt you. They could really, really hurt you. But you'll never have close friends if you don't let down those walls and be honest and be vulnerable and be willing to share the hard things that you're going through. Listen, if your marriage is struggling and, and you, and you never, never seek out wise counsel, not, not sharing it with the world, not posting it online, but, but if you never seek out wise counsel, then, then you're just going to suffer there together. Seek out genuine, good friends. If, if raising kids is hard, and it is, <laughs> it's hard, and you're never seeking out wise counsel from people, people that you're willing to share that with, say, hey, listen, I blow up at my kids about this or whatever else you're going through. If nobody knows, then it's going to be impossible to have close friends. Share IQs with people. Get smarter. Work through this together and be willing to share life together. That is such a hard thing. But if you just stay, hey, I got 300 friends on Facebook and, you know, I'll figure it out. No, no you got to have, got to have close, close friends. That, that leads to an important part about what I haven't really clarified about, about friendship. You know, if you... You, the way I'm describing close, godly, consistent, accountable, sensitive, vulnerable friends, you can't have that with all 172 members of Infinity Church, right? It's impossible. You should be friendly. You should be kind. You should be loving to everybody in the room. You should, everywhere you go, be, be a, a good neighbor, friendly. And so maybe we need a, a, another word like deep friends or true friends or something, but but we should be friendly to everybody. We should be sharing the gospel with them. We should be helping them come to know Jesus. We should be evangelizing and discipling all kinds of people. But, but there's, there's got to be an inner circle, doesn't there? I don't know what that number is. Is it seven? Is it five? Is it three? Is it two? I don't, I don't know. But, but we got to think about how can we really walk through life with a genuine close friend. That's a smaller number than, than just people in general. To be somebody who loves at all times, you can really only do that a few in a few relationships, and a few people at a time. And so if that's, what we're, if that's what Proverbs says about friendship, then the challenge to us is to pursue that. Pursue a godly friendship. Pursue godly friendships. We're reading Proverbs 26. A faithful man who can find, well, you certainly can't find him if you're not looking for him. It's not, you're not going to just stumble upon a, a, a good friend one day. 
You may stumble upon somebody you connect with and you, you immediately, you know, kind of C.S. Lewis talks about with J.R.R. Tolkien, this like thread that they had, this, this, this connection they had. But they developed that friendship over time, meeting together regularly, spending time together. You're not going to stumble upon that if you're not investing in true, genuine friends. Proverbs 18.24 is probably my third favorite verse of, of friendship. Uh, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Man, how much we need that, how much we enjoy that, somebody who sticks closer than a brother. That's not going to happen automatically. There's no magic super glue that you can put on you that, that says, all right, now we're stuck together and there's nothing that's ever going to separate us. No, you, you got to work at that. you got to invest in a relationship over time if you're going to stick closer than a brother. Man, a brother, you, you had probably you know, almost two decades living with a brother, but somebody who's closer than that, that's going to take some time. And it has, we have to pursue that. It's worth remembering that what we said back at the beginning of Proverbs 2, 17, our, our spouse is called a companion. So it, it is good and righteous to seek that friendship in our marriages, to have a deep, loving friendship inside our marriages. But I think the way that Proverbs describes friendship is not limited to, to just that. It is probably wise and smart, the way Proverbs talks about friendship, to limit this kind of friendship to your same gender outside your marriage. But this picture of your marriage, yes, but also other people. So my, my challenge to you this week, I'm going to give you this a really simple and yet practical and maybe hard but, but clear challenge, is that between now and this time next week, set up a time where you can have a, a meaningful conversation with a close friend. If you want to truly pursue godly friendships, then put it on the calendar. Find a time. Now, I know it's summer. It's crazy. I didn't say you have to meet with them between now and next Sunday. But between now and next Sunday, put it on the calendar. Set it up where you're going to have a, just, a, just a time where you're one-on-one -on -one with somebody who's a close friend. I wonder if you, could, you can do that. Maybe, maybe for you, as you think about that, that's, that sounds challenging. That sounds hard. You're not sure who, who to turn to or who to go to. And that, that's okay. You don't have to have a best friend tomorrow. You know, Friendships are hard. And I, I have, you know, we talk about mobility. I have lived in like five different cities. And every time you pick up and move somewhere, it is so hard because you leave behind friendships. And, and there was a four-year period in my life where I just felt like I had nobody around outside of my wife. So grateful for my wife, you know. But if you, it takes time to develop friendships. It's okay if that takes time. But if you, if you don't pursue it, it it'll, nev it'll never happen. Uh, I was reading just kind of generally online about friendships. They said most people kind of peak you know, about, about the 20s, maybe 30, they kind of stop looking for new friends. Like, I got a few friends and I'm, I'm just, I'm done. You know, I came through school and I'm, I'm good. But if we don't, if we stop at 30, stop looking for friends, stop pursuing friendships, then Lord willing, if he gives us a long life, it's going to be lonely. Seek out godly friends for as long as God gives us time. Proverbs 3.26 starts to point us to a, a, a solution, an even greater answer to what's going on with our friendships. Proverbs 3.26 says, For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. You see, the, the hard part about the way Proverbs describes friendship is that it's perfect. It is absolutely perfect. I don't know if you caught this so far, but that list I just gave you, you're going to fail <laughs> tomorrow. Yesterday, you failed at this. That, that list is impossible. But we have one who kept it and who kept it perfectly. See, if you believe in Jesus Christ, here's the good news about friendship. This is what I want you to remember today. 
Remember, you're Jesus's friend. You are Jesus's friend. The Savior of the world is your friend if you believe in him. That's what he told his disciples the night before he was crucified. In John 15, he says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Jesus looked at his 12 disciples, knowing, knowing what the next 24 hours was going to do, and what they were going to do to him, and he says, you're my friends. You are my friends. And for everybody who follows Jesus, believes in him, turns from sin, puts their faith in Christ, we are his disciples too, and so he calls us friends. That is incredible. He is, he is the perfect friend of that list I just gave you. Think about how Christ is all those things 100%, perfect to the, to, in every way. He is godly, like very, by his very definition. He is the son of God. He's 100% holy. He's 100% consistent. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He has never failed, never, never gone astray. He gives perfect, wise counsel. He holds us accountable exactly. He knows exactly every hair in our head and every sin we've ever committed. And he calls us to follow him in wise counsel. He's sensitive and he's vulnerable. He's sensitive and vulnerable with his disciples and he's willing to guide us and shape. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus, take my yoke upon you for, his, for those who are heavy laden. It's easy. He's a merciful and gracious God. He is so loving to us. He is the perfect friend, the greatest example of a friend who loves at all times. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did for us. Knowing that one was about to betray him, that, that another one was about to deny him three times, and the rest of them were about to scatter. All of them were going to abandon him, and yet he loved them anyway as true friends. Listen, if you have Jesus as your friend, then that changes everything. Because listen, if, if, we, if we are lonely, then, then we, get, we get needy. And it's really hard to love people when they're needy. But Jesus sees our neediness and he meets our needs. We, we technically don't need any more friends when we have Jesus. And yet he fills us up in such a way. He shows us grace upon grace. He fills us with love so much so that we now can overflow in love toward other people. And when we're overflowing with love, then we make a pretty good friend. And then when things are hard, that other friends can come around us and support us and help us. If you go to people desperate for a friend, it's going to be really hard to make friends. But when you know you've got a friend in Jesus, that he's always there for you, he never leaves you, never forsakes you, then you're not needy, you're filled up. And you have something to share with other people. And then you can be this kind of friend for other people. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower with Christ, then, then you have everything you need. You have a friend. And now you can share that with other people. Proverbs 17, 17, a brother is born for adversity. Who, who, who loved us better in adversity than Jesus himself? 27, 10, better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Who is closer to you than the Savior of the world? And if you have that kind of friend, it empowers you to be that kind of friend. Where are your friendships right now? If you took an honest look at your friendships, where are your relationships, who you're investing in, who's investing in you, where, where are they? Are your, are your friendships mirroring Christ or are they going a different direction? Let God's word call you to trust in Jesus and to share this kind of friendship with him. 
Be the kind of friend and seek out the kind of friends the way that Proverbs tells us. And it starts with a simple, very clear, very easy definition to remember that a friend loves at all times.